0: Than Jesus' blood and righteousness I dare not trust the sweetest rain But wholly lean on Jesus' name On Christ the solid rock I stand All other ground is sinking sand All other ground is sinking sand
1: Good morning and welcome. Good to see you guys this morning. Good to be together. Good to be worshiping together. We're going to ask you to join us as we continue and sing. This is amazing grace.
0: The king above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is a love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. you done for me who brings our chaos back into order who makes the orphan a son and daughter the king of glory above all kings, who rules the nations with truth and justice, shines like the sun in all of its brilliance, the King of glory, the King of all kings, this is amazing grace. That you would bear my cross, you would lay down your life, that I would be set free, yeah, Jesus I sing for all that you've done for me. Worthy is the lamb who was slain And worthy is the king who conquered the grave Worthy is the lamb who was slain And worthy is the king who conquered the grave and Worthy is the lamb who was slain And worthy is the king who conquered the grave Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, worthy, 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 Lord, this is amazing grace. This is unfailing love, that you would take my place, that you would You
2: done
1: for me amen this is amazing Grace Amen. we worship you Lord Hosanna in the highest break our hearts for what breaks yours Lord help us to know what that is I think a lot of us walking around not even knowing help us break our hearts for the things that break your heart if we're not even in a place where we can recognize what that is Lord Invade our lives. Move us, change us, push us, mold us. Speak to us, Lord. You are great and mighty and powerful. We give you all praise and glory and honor this morning. We love you.
0: You give life, you are love, you bring light to the darkness, you give hope, you restore every heart that is broken, and great are you, Lord, it's your breath, it's your breath, in our lives, so we pour out our praise, we pour out our praise, it's your
2: bread,
0: in our lives, so we pour out our praise. We'll shout your prayer. Prayer.
1: It's your breath, just the voices. It's your breath.
3: abounds in deepest waters your sovereign hand will be my guide where feet may fail and fear surrounds me you've never
1: Seated. at this time kingdom kids ages three to third grade you are dismissed to junior church have fun but not too much fun As they go, I'm going to invite the ushers to come on down. My good friend Jay Luna is going to pray for us.
4: Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, and um, we declare that you are who you say you are, which is Jehovah Jireh, the provider. We thank you. That you're not just Abba Father, Daddy, but you're also our sovereign King, Lord. We uh, thank you for the gift of salvation, Lord. We thank you that you were mindful of us even when you had no obligation to be, to send your Son. He that knew no sin became sin for us. We're thankful, Lord, that your breath gives us life. And we're thankful that even. Um, When at times uh, it feels as if uh, things may be uh, confusing or difficult, that you are the Lord over that. You are the Lord over when we're praising you, and you're the Lord over when we have joy, and you're also the Lord over when we're having difficulties and troubles. And uh, we're thankful, though, that you're always um, faithful, even when we're not sure if that's true or not, Lord. And we're thankful that you always come through for us and that your promises are true. Even when it feels like at times things are a little confusing for us about how that might be the case. But you are king, and you will always be king, and we're thankful for that. So we just um, ask that you take a, a portion of this, Lord, this offering, and use it for your kingdom's cause. Build your kingdom. Do with it what you want. Everything we have is yours, Lord. Our jobs, our spouses, our lives, they all belong to you, Lord. This is just a little bit, a little slice, a little portion. Do with it what you want. Align our will with yours, Lord. Build your kingdom. In the name of Christ, amen.
1: Well, good morning. Good morning. Hello again. It is great to be here. It is great to see all your smiling faces, as usual. If you are a guest with us, there's a little pouch in front of you. In that pouch, there's a little card. Uh, If you would fill that out, and you can give it to one of these... uh, gentlemen with the plates or you can drop it there's a wooden box on your right on your way out drop it in there we'd love to meet you we'd love to get to know you um it is memorial day weekend we want to uh remember those that have uh, sacrificed um for our freedom and uh as we do that we remember our savior king who sacrificed for our eternal freedom and uh that is amazing special announcements There will be child protection training for the teens that work in the nursery and kingdom kids. If your child volunteers in either of these areas, they must attend. This training will be age-appropriate. The meeting will be Sunday, June 3rd at 9 a.m. Please call the church office to sign up. We will have a baptism service here on Sunday, June 17th. Pastor John will teach a baptism class on Sunday, June 10th at 9 a.m. Please see Jody or contact the church office to register for the class if you are interested in being baptized. If you're reading the Daily Bible, keep it up. You're awesome. You should be currently on page 1,150, or if you're in an ebook, you should be on September 6th. Please see the bulletin for additional and more detailed announcements. I'm going to bring Pastor Tim back up here. He promised us part two to last week's message. I'm told he actually worked on that. And is bringing it to us this morning. So why don't you come up, Tim? I'm going to move
5: all this out of the way for you, right? All right. Someone left me coffee. That's awesome. No, not anymore. We
4: <laughs> take it you the
5: go. same way. Too. That's it. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Good morning. Um, I'm really glad to be back this week, and uh, I'll be back next week too. But I'll be sitting and listening. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I have a permanent residency here. So, no, um, yeah, last week we talked about grace to works, and I told you the whole purpose behind it was to kind of lead into this week. And for sake of time, this is going to be kind of a condensed message as well uh, regarding works and what good works are. Uh, realistically, each of these we could spend hours and hours and hours just sitting on and unpacking and, and I don't have the time for that in today's message, so my, my goal is, I guess, to continue maybe unpacking little by little every opportunity that I get as the pastor continues his story, his story, his sermons on grace, uh, and we continue as a whole. So you'll have to forgive me this morning. I'm a little distracted. Uh, it was a <clears throat> rough night, last night with a newborn, and um, the last couple days have been tough. So Less sleep. More, I don't know, she sleeps perfect during the day, but <laughs> unfortunately, my other children don't, so I have to, uh, it's, it's a lot of back and forth. So I'm just going to, uh, I'm going to give a recap of what we talked about last week. We spent some time in James talking about our faith and how our faith has to have action. That's how we can see the realness of it. And we, we talked about the, uh, <clears throat> uh, I wrote it down because I know I'd forget, it. the expectation The expectation of our faith is action. There's something to it. There's a realness of it. There's something we can see. We talked about the example. James is filled with examples on Christian living. This one example that we specifically looked at was meeting the needs of another person and how there's a difference between seeing Kishon in need and helping him or just walking by and saying, Kishon, looks like you have a need today. Yeah, man, I have a need. Well, God bless, brother. Call Dave. He can help you, right? I, I mean, honestly, that's, that's what he's talking about. He says, you, you have been created to do works. These are little things that you can do that show that there's a realness of your faith. A realness. A couple, uh, it's probably about maybe a month and a half, maybe almost two months ago, I had overheard a conversation where someone was talking to uh, another person and they had talked about how, you know, they were in need. They needed some groceries. They needed some help. They needed some support. And and, and, and this isn't a knock. This, they're not, The person's not here. This is not a, a shot at anybody in particular. I just overheard the conversation. And this was an honest conversation. I don't think there was any maliciousness to it. It was an honest conversation. The person looked at them. They probably didn't understand, like, how do I help? What do I do? And all they looked at him and said was, well, we have a food pantry that meets every Thursday. And I thought... I think we just kind of missed it a little this is the first week of the month we have a food pantry it does meet every every third thursday but if someone's in need sorry where's jody i know she's in here jody can hook you up talk to her so this is what i'm saying it's sometimes it just we don't even realize it happens it just happens It's not malicious. It's not that person wasn't intending to blow that other person off. They just, they gave them the right information, right? But could they have gone, could we have gone, could I have gone to a different level and said, hey, if you need help, let's get this help taken care of right now, meeting people's needs where they're at. And where we left off, we left off with the exhortation. We were talking in the book of Ephesians, chapter 2 specifically, And this is what we left off talking about. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. It's not by works, it's for works. So let's pray and we're going to continue as we talk about what are good works. Father, we thank you for today. Lord, I pray that you would just uh, be with us this morning as we meet and we talk about your word. Lord, I pray that you would help me to speak clear and to uh, just give me focus as uh, we bring your word this morning. Open our hearts and ears to what you have for us. Lord, help us to just kind of stop and look at ourselves and, and come to this understanding that we have been created to do good works, deeds, deeds service, action, but Father, sometimes we don't. So give us all that desire to see where we can improve, see what we can change, see what we need to cut out, see how we can better serve you and serve the kingdom. So Father, we ask that you be with us. We uh, commit this time into your hands, and we ask these things in your name. Amen. So it is not by works. It is for works. I have it highlighted here God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. We have been created. We are this workmanship. We have this, this, this. Uh, I guess, lifestyle that God has given us. And this is what Paul says, to walk in them. This is a walk. This is a way to walk. This is to follow a planned pattern. If you've gone... Um, who likes to hike? Do people like to hike in here? I don't, I don't hike a lot. I do sometimes. But I know that when I hike, I have got to follow the map. So when I go to a trail, the first thing I do is, where is the information where I can find the trail so I know where I'm going? The last time I went hiking, I went with a friend and he was like, dude, I hike here all the time. It's no big deal. And I'm like, maybe not for you. But for me, who's going to be like five minutes into it going, how long have we been in the woods? Like all these trees look the same. Where are we going? What do you mean it's just over here? How do you know? There is a planned path. And just like we wouldn't just get up and walk into the woods and be like, yeah, I think today I'm just going to hike for six hours and then find my way back. We want to know where we're going. We want to know the purpose to it. We want to know the plan. We want to know what markers to look for. We want to know what signs to look for. We want to know, hey, there's danger on this side of the path, so we got to stay over here. We want to know all that stuff. At least I do, because truth be told, I don't like hiking. I don't. It's like, like extreme walking. I don't know. It's just like, you know what I'm saying? It is. I know people are like, this guy. No, hey, listen. It's all right. It's all right. So this morning, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I've kind of not stolen. I've taken something called the Heidelberg Catechism. You've heard Pastor John refer to it. Um, And we're going to start here. This is going to be the building blocks, excuse me, and the foundation for our message today. We're going to take a look at some of these things, and we're going to kind of flush it out and and get a, a general idea of what this means. And that way... When we have more time to spend a little bit more time unpacking and unpacking and unpacking, we can see what each thing is on a little deeper level. But for sake of time this morning, there's going to be a whole lot of Scripture involved. I think I have like 28 slides. I know it's like, that's a lot, man. But it's a lot of Scripture. And there's a reason for that. And when we get to the end, you'll notice that there's a dot, dot, dot right after glory. Because there's a second part to this. So this is what it says. Here's the question. What are... Good works. This is question number 91. And it's a pretty cool tool. If you want to take a look at it, you can Google it Heidelberg Catechism. You can see the different questions that it asks. And it gives a solid scriptural foundation of how to answer these. These are ways that we can improve in our relationship with God, improve in our relationship to each other, improve in our relationship to the world, because it's a foundational understanding. Can I tell you, this is something that we lack right now foundational understandings of what these things mean. Being across the gym, I've had a a couple of years here to be in the school, and I can tell you there are generations, not just one, not just two, there are generations of children coming through our school that do not have a foundational understanding of the Scripture, that do not have a foundational understanding of what it means to be a Christian. Are they saved? I believe it. But there's no foundation. It's just kind of like a, eh, we kind of wing it. We don't have to wing it. Paul told us there's a plan. Walk according to him. So this is just kind of a part of that plan. So this is what the question is. What are good works? Reasonable question. And here's his answer. Only those which are done out of true faith, conform to God's law, and are done for God's glory. On your notes, you have three blanks. You'll notice when the slide switches, and I've got to give super awesome props to Ryan in the back. I can't tell you how awesome it is to not have to worry about a clicker. I give him the slides, I give him a copy of my sermon, and I just say, follow along. And he does, and it's awesome. Phenomenal. I can't tell you how it's, I don't even have to think about it. I just look down, oh, that's next, and it's already up. It's great. Thank you, Ryan. I've got I to gotta give you some, some props for that. <clears throat> so the High Catechism, what are good works? In your notes, you have three blanks. Done out of faith. conform to God's law. Done to God's glory. There's two more blanks, but we'll get to those at the end. So our first one, done out of true faith. And this is simply all it means. These are works that reflect a genuine faith. A genuine faith. And here's some Scripture that we're going to build on as we look through them to see what does it mean to have a genuine faith. And this is what Christ says in John chapter 15, 4 and 5. It says, "...abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit, From apart from me you can do nothing." There is no one that Christ justifies, which means he blots out our sin record, that he doesn't place on the path to sanctification. There is no one, I'll say it again, that Christ justifies that he doesn't begin to sanctify. Part of the problem is sanctification requires our involvement. It requires us to kind of put our hands to the plow, if you will, to do some work whether it's actual work in the church, in the community, in the world, in our families, or actual work on the inside, cleaning up some stuff, making it appropriate to be called the temple of the living God. It requires work. Jesus says, if you want to do this, if you are going to be a part of this, here's the evidence, you abide in me. Growing up as a kid, there was uh, my dad Used to have these grapevines all over the back of the house. I had no idea why. It was just something he liked. You couldn't eat them. They were about the size of like a blueberry. They were incredibly sour. All we really did with them is we threw them at each other. That's all we did. <laughs> but he had like a whole trellis along the back of the house, and every year they would, they would this this lush vines, green leaves, and they were bright purple grapes. Again, you could, I don't know what you could do with them. They were pretty. I guess I don't know. It wasn't my thing. But one day, what we realized is they were dying, little by little. When they were supposed to be bright and green and bringing forth this fruit, and man, I'm looking—what is going on? So I wanted to say, "Hey, Dad, something's wrong with your vines, man. They're dying." It's like, no, it can't be true. So we go out and we look. Our neighbor had built a fence along the back of the property, and what he had done is he went across the bottom and he cut all the vines right at the bottom. Because he didn't want them growing over the trellis onto his new fence that he built. He didn't tell us. He just said, hey, Herb, do you mind if I build a fence along the property line? No big deal. It's going to be, you know, there'll be a six inch buffer. So that way that doesn't go on. Yeah, no problem, no problem, problem. What we found out was he cut all the vines off. And at some point he had started pulling the roots out. And we were blown away. Without the power of the root. Without abiding into that life source. You can't have works of faith. I got home. Is Jay here? Jay's here today, right? How you feeling, man? Good. I saw Jay at a birthday party yesterday and, and he went to build a retaining wall. Did you do it? Yeah. I don't blame him. I went home and I intended to kind of relax and do nothing. I told him, I'd love to help you, but I have to sit in my air conditioned house and hold my newborn. Like, I had to do that. So I got home, and then I realized, i got to cut my grass, and it was ridiculously hot. I'm glad you're student. (laughs) So I did. I cut my grass, and it looked nice, and then I walked around the front, and I have these three bushes right in the front of my house, and if you've driven by my house, or if you've been by my house, you've noticed the bushes. They're huge and ridiculously overgrown. So I went down to the shed to find my clippers. I don't have electric clippers, but I did find, like, the old Snip Snaps. So like I'm walking out, I'm feeling like a barber chopping off leaves, and, and I notice there is some, some greenery sprouting in one of the bushes, and I begin to pull it out, and I'm pulling it out. And I must have felt like I pulled out like 100 yards of vine that was just wrapped up in this bush. And I'm trying to cut it and trim it, and I spent like an hour and a half just trying to clean out this vine, but I could not get to the root of it. So that tells me next summer, I'm going to trim out another 50 yards of vine. It's not, it, that, that's where its life source is. That's where its power is. And if, if we are going to be the branch, we can't bear fruit unless we abide in the vine, unless we are abiding in Christ. Works of faith. He gives us the power to complete these works. Simple. That's it. Abiding in Him. That is a work of faith. How do I know I'm a Christian? Because I abide in Christ, I read His Word, I spend time in prayer, I do all the little check marks that we check off our box, that's abiding in Christ, that is our work of faith. <clears throat> Romans twelve one and 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. I've spoken about this. Pastor has spoken about this. Derek has... We've all heard this repeatedly. But I've highlighted here what is a work of faith. A work, a genuine work of faith is being transformed to the image of Christ. transformed by renewing your mind. Not being conformed. Conformity is a bad thing. Conformity means... Let me give you an example because I see... Mr. Nyberg over here, how tall are you? 6'6. Six 6'6. Six. Six six. Six six. He's not comfortably riding in my Versa. <laughs> he's not. That me saying, hey, do you want to go play golf? Yeah, that'd be great. I'll pick you up. And I pull up in my little clown car. A picture of conformity is him trying to figure out how he's going to get the seat back and sit in and bend and fit into something. It's not going to be comfortable. It's not going to work transforming is changing who we are. It's not forcing it into a mold. It's allowing Christ to work into us to change us so that we can perform more good works. We could do more things. We could do better things. How many of you love good things? How many of you have settled for good things? Because better things require work. They do. I like to cook. I like to cook a lot. And I like to cook a lot of good things. And occasionally, I'll cook something amazing, but I know it was amazing because of the amount of time it takes me to clean up. It takes work. The better things always take work. Works of faith that are revealed in a genuine believer is transforming our mind into the image of Christ, transforming to what he does, what he thinks, how he lived, and how that impacts us. Galatians chapter 5, verses 25 says this. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. This is simple. If we live by the Spirit, walk by the Spirit. If it looks like a duck, walks like a duck, sounds like a duck, it's a duck. That's what this verse is saying. If you live by the Spirit, walk by the Spirit. There is evidence of the fruits of the Spirit, right? Galatians, if you scan back a couple of verses, love, joy, peace, all those fun things that we love to hear and talk about. That's evidence of a Spirit-filled life. It's not just there. We did the permeating thing where we poured the water on Ben, and he's not here today. I had another example for him to do. (laughs) It didn't involve water this time. I'm still going to use him because everybody knows Ben, and it fits perfectly it permeates, it, it, it gets on things, it spreads. It doesn't just stay in one spot, it overflows. It impacts somebody else's life. The fruits of the Spirit are perfectly created and grafted into our lives to do that. Works of faith, true faith, abiding in Christ, transforming to Christ, and being filled with the Spirit. Those are the works of faith. The second one we have are works that conform to God's law, or um, basically in in common speak are works that reflect Christian living, living within God's law. There are precepts and principles that we find in the Word of God that tell us how to live. This isn't just the uh, get along with the person sitting next to you and the person sitting four rows behind and the person that offended you last Christmas. This is all aspects of our Christian living. This is more along the lines of the sanctification process. This is the stuff that we kind of do that help to keep us where we're supposed to be. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. Probably everybody knows this verse, right? But like the, one, like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves, Also in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. This is a requirement. Sanctified, holy living. Being set apart with a purpose. Where is, is that a McGraw? Hey, Corey, come on up here. Yeah. Yeah. I have some object lessons that I brought with me today. I know. I didn't even recognize you, man. Seriously. So, Corey, um, I'm going to uh, give you a choice. Okay. All right. Um, what's your favorite food? Fried chicken. Fried, fried chicken. Yeah. All right. Mom's fried chicken. Mom's fried chicken. Yeah, absolutely. And mashed potatoes. Can, can I two? The correct answer is your wife's fried chicken. Oh, my wife's fried your chicken? Your wife's? Yes, yes. Okay. So, <laughs> so, your wife's fried
1: chicken. So, can, I, can Ryan block that off? This, <laughs> so she
5: doesn't, she doesn't rewind name, that. Uh, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, am I'm going This is what this looks like in, in in practice. Okay, we're using fried chicken, his wife's fried chicken, wife's, to be clear. Yeah. So I, I brought two containers from the house with me today, and I gotta set this down for a minute. And Corey, I'm I'm gonna give you your wife's fried chicken, but you have to determine which container you want to put it in. Okay. Both of these containers serve the same purpose. Okay. Both of these containers, let's just pretend they're the same size. Okay. Both of these containers will hold the fried chicken. Okay. Which one would you like to use?
4: Probably the, the clean one. Why? Well, this looks kind of gross. I, I wouldn't open it. See
2: that,
5: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this does look really gross. This had, um, and I knew. Thank you. You can sit down. Yeah, thank you. Uh, <laughs> I knew I was. I, I had some messages coming up, and this was the direction I was planning on going with it. So about two weeks ago, I had. Um, beef and broccoli that I made at home and I put it in this container and I have let this container purposely kind of sit out and you can you don't have to pass it around but so you guys there's stuff in it this container was set apart for a purpose it had beef and broccoli it was delicious but Corey doesn't want his fried chicken in this why it's it's dirty is it dirty on the outside it looks real good on the outside I, we're not going to take the lid off, because I'm telling you. It's, I will probably throw this out, because if I bring this home, my wife is going to be like, can you stop using my Tupperware for sermon lessons? No, we would want this one. We want this container. It's clean on the inside. It serves its purpose, and it serves its purpose well. Is this container going to remain to be clean all the time? No, because if I put fried chicken in it, it's going to have fried chicken in it. And if it gets soiled and messed up, what do I have to do? I've got to clean it out. I've got to wash it up. I've got to take care of it. This is an example. We're not going to be perfect all the time. We're going to mess up. Our vessels are going to be dirty. We can choose to sit with a dirty vessel, or we can be like God. We can take the time to clean up and to do what we're supposed to do with it. Now, again, I don't even think I'm going to bring that beef and broccoli one home. If I do, you can guarantee I'm going to be the one that has to clean it. I would do it anyway. I would probably soak it for like eight hours in bleach. And then, uh, it's gross. It is. It's gross. It's gross. But can I tell you, a lot of our vessels look like that. We're set apart, sort of. We, 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 could, we could put fried chicken in there. Can I get a show? Who's going to eat the fried chicken out of that container? Nobody. Jimmy's thinking about it. It depends. I am in college. No, we're not. I mean, let's be honest. We're not going to eat the fried chicken out of that container. But we expect God to use our container that's filled with garbage. Living according to God's law. First Samuel chapter fifteen, verse twenty-two. So the first one is cleaning up, being holy living within God's law. The second one is obedience. And this is what 1 Samuel chapter fifteen twenty two says. Has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. I love this story. Are you guys familiar with 1 Samuel chapter 15? Saul goes into battle. Samuel tells him, hey, God says wipe out everything. Don't leave anything. Everything. People, animals, king, just all of it. And they come back from battle, and Samuel comes up, and Saul's like, we did it. And he's like, "We, yeah? Why do I hear animals? Well, they were some really good ones, so we thought we'd just bring them back and sacrifice them to God. And Samuel's like, that's not what God told you to do. Yeah, but well, I thought this would be better, because, I mean, think about it. We're going to sacrifice these awesome animals to God. Won't that make them happy? Samuel's like, you missed the whole point. This is about obedience. It's not about you. It's not about what you think. It's about obedience to God. Your service. If it doesn't come out of obedience to God, it means nothing. Your works. If it doesn't come out of obedience to God, it means nothing. Nothing. As the story continues on, it's pretty intense, man. Samuel brings out the king and I like the King James. He hewed him into bits. That's like, I don't know. I know it's scary and morbid, but I don't think it's a great story. I told the kids at school that, and they are like, there's no way that that's what it says. And I was like, look it up. I got free lunch that day. Listen, it's about our obedience, our good works. It's obedience. It's doing what God has called us to do according to his word. It's doing what God has called us to do according to like, hey, Kishon, I have a plan for you. Mike, I have a plan for you. Jimmy, I got a plan for you. It's following in obedience, one step at a time. It's having a respect for what God says. I have two verses where I kind of linked them together in the book of Colossians. We have Colossians 1.10. It says, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. And Colossians 2.6 says, Therefore, as you have received Christ, Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. And I know, like, the highlighting's kind of off. Please Him in all respects. You've received Christ. Walk in Him. That's the point of it. That's what he's saying. You've received Christ. Walk in Him. Remember what I said about kids not having a foundational understanding? Without a foundational understanding, I believe this firmly, this is something my wife said years ago, and it was like, wow, I'm going to use that in my messages, and it makes sense. Without knowledge and respect for authority, it's only going to end in rebellion. Knowledge and respect for the authority in your life will always end in rebellion. I'm not saying like flat out, anarchy, I'm talking like, I don't care what that person says. I don't care what my boss thinks. I don't care what my parents think. I don't care what my wife thinks. I use my wife because, can I tell you something? My wife is an authority in my life. She doesn't rule and run the house, but she's an authority. When she looks at me and says, hey, you're being a knucklehead, I can go, well, thankfully, I'm the head of the household, I don't have to listen to you. No, that would, I would be moving in with Mike or Jay or yeah. someone. Probably not. But you get know what I'm saying, right? Like, we have authority. Without a knowledge and a respect for the rule giver, for the authority, it's going to end in rebellion. Why do we have kids that are out of their mind, out of control? They don't know who God is. They have no example in their life leading them to the right relationship and the right attitude of God. They have no understanding. He's just a guy that wants me to be miserable and never have any fun, and he's all about rules, and it's miserable being a Christian. man. How do I know that? Because every time I go into church, everybody looks so angry and they just stare at each other and they're doing this. And it's just hypocrites. It's just that. That's all they focus on. That's all they get. But they don't understand there is so much love and power and empowerment that Christ gives us to enjoy life. Anybody in here read C.S. Lewis? I like C.S. Lewis. There's a... I don't know if it's an essay. I can't remember what writing it's in. But he likens our relationship with God to him taking his dog for a walk. And he talks about... He takes his dog for a walk, and if you guys have dogs that are not leash trained, what happens? It's what? They'll take off if they're not on the leash. But even if they're on the leash, what do they try to do? They pull you everywhere. They want to go sniff the fire hydrant. They want to sniff the cat. They want to sniff the tree. They want to pee on this. They want to, and you're just like, I just want to go for a walk. We have the same idea... I want my dog to enjoy the walk, I want to enjoy the walk, I want to get there with him, but I know my dog's a knucklehead, so I keep it on a leash to protect it from itself. But if the dog is willing to walk with me step by step, when I had my German Shepherd, it was tough. Trying to train this thing to walk on a leash. It did not enjoy my wife taking it for a walk. Probably because my wife is tiny and the dog was not. The dog was over hundred pounds. I mean, it was just this big, massive animal, and it would just drag her down the street. And say, I'm not taking that dog for a walk ever again. I'm like, well, you kind of have to because I gotta go to work. So, but when I would take it for a walk, Remy, come, Remy, sit, get the leash. She wouldn't even get excited. She'd just come over and sit right down. Click the leash on. We walk to the door. We get to the door, and I'm saying things. She sat right down open the door up, i go out first, she'd follow me out. We'd walk up and down the block, around the corner, everywhere, side by side. If I stopped, she would stop. She loved it. I mean, you could see it on her face. she just, like, super stoked to be out going for a walk. It was way better when we were both on the same page. The leash isn't to stop her from having a good time. God's rules is not a leash stopping us from having a good time. It's God saying, hey, listen, there are some amazing things that you are going to enjoy in life. Young people, listen to me. There are amazing things that you are going to enjoy in life. But there's a time for it. There's a leash that God puts on us and says, hey, listen, listen, follow here. Let me guide you. Let me direct you. Let me help you. This isn't a matter of, this is good conforming. This, isn't for, this, is, this is something that we should want to do. It's to be willing to say, alright God, I'm going to be yielded, and I'm going to be broken, and I'm going to let you guide and direct. If that means clean stuff up, it means clean stuff up. If it means go here, I'm going to go here. If it means stop, it means stop. We get it. <clears throat> Experiencing liberty in Christ, and this is what is really important about understanding conforming to God's law, because we have liberty. I'm I'm not the kind of person that sits back and says, you can't have any fun, you can't enjoy life, there's no point to it. No. like I, I read a lot of Piper, I've read a lot of Francis Chan, I totally get where they're coming from. They talk about liberty and being able to experience God in His fullness and just being able to experience what God has created for us to enjoy for His pleasure. But I also understand that liberty is not like a free pass to ignore my personal sin. It's not. It's not a free pass to look at it and say, I'm outraged against sin, just not mine. I'm outraged at what Gary does. I can't believe he would do that. Well, what about me? Be outraged about your sin. That's when we start to really truly understand that it's more than just talk. Because I really truly believe once we become outraged about something, we're willing to do something about it. So are you outraged this morning about your personal sin? You know, those little closet things that we just, we don't tell anybody about, we don't talk about in prayer meeting, we just take it quietly before, God, 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 help me overcome this. I don't know. I know there's things in my life I need to start outraging against. Pride, my attitude. These are tough. They come and they go and it's like an ebb and flow. Some days I'm, like, super good with it. Some days I'm like, I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to see anybody. This is, it's, listen, let's be honest with ourselves. If you can't be honest with yourself, you can't do any of this stuff. You can't figure these works out. So we have the first one, done out of faith, genuine faith, conforming to God's law, and there's that third, that third level was gifts that are done, works, good works, deeds that are done to glorify Him. These are action. These are works of action and deeds. These are actually the things that you do. This is more than just the power that I have through Christ as a Christian. Coming to Christ is your first work of faith, by the way. Let me throw that out there. I know I kind of skipped over it. So if you're here this morning and you're like, uh... I don't get all this stuff. Let's start at the beginning. You can come talk to me after. There's a number of people sitting in this auditorium that can help you through that. Coming to know Christ. We are all operating under the assumption that we're Christians within this room. And I know we're all not. I know, I get it. So if you haven't taken that first step, that first good work, work of faith, is trusting Christ. And then the rest of this starts to make sense and it falls in place. So let me just stop and rewind and throw that out there. So here's this last category that we see in this thing. Works of action and deeds. Titus chapter 2, verse 7 and 8 says, In all things, show yourself to be an example of good deeds with purity and doctrine, dignified, sound in speech, which is beyond reproach, so that the opponent will be put to shame, having nothing bad to say about us. Our first action or work, if you to taking notes, is our example, who we are. Are we that? I love that last sentence, that last part of it. The opponent will be put to shame having nothing bad to say about us. Wouldn't that be awesome? As individuals, wouldn't that be great? Every opponent has nothing bad to say about you. I know that there are a lot of people that have a lot of bad to say about me. Can I tell you, I know there's a lot of people that would probably say there's a lot of bad about harmony. We understand that. We keep talking about what's our past, it's our history, we're moving forward, we're moving on. There are some people, unfortunately, they're never going to get over it. We talk about morality in one of my classes. What's more important, individual morality or societal morality? Yeah, I mean, we get it because we're adults. Individual morality. Why? Because individuals make up the society. We can't legislate morality. We can't make rules that are going to say, you can't behave this way, you can't do this. We're going to do it anyway because we're knuckleheads. But think about this. If everybody in this room, if this was your life first, and if this was who you are, all things show yourself to be an example of good deeds. Purity in doctrine, dignified, sound in speech, beyond reproach, so that the opponent will be put to shame, having nothing bad to say about us. If we were an entire congregation of people that the enemy could not say anything bad about, wow, that would be awesome. But that typically means we we can't say that. We can't because we're not perfect and we mess up and we sin and we don't get things. But if we're pushing for these things, if this is what wants to be on our radar, we want these good works, we want to do these things, this has to be something you have to consider. If you've ever spent some time in the book of Titus, the first five verses of chapter 2 talk about what not to do. Don't be angry, don't be this, don't be gossipers, don't be drunk, don't be acting foolish, don't get out of control. That's like the the first couple of verses. And this is a message that is sent to the congregation of people. It doesn't matter if you're old, it doesn't matter if you're young, here's some things to consider. I think it's great that they use things like that, and I like, don't kill someone. How many of you in this... Don't raise your hand, please. I, one of these days, I, I know, one of these days I'm going to say it and someone's going to go, I did. <laughs> right? We, I haven't killed anybody. I haven't. I haven't robbed a bank. I haven't done anything incredibly scandalous. But I know that I gossip... See, we bypass the little things. and we, Well, at least I'm not like this guy. And we're going to look at that in a minute when we talk about the last two things. So is your lifestyle an example to other people? How does it measure up? Colossians chapter 3, verse 17 says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. This is our lifestyle. Everything that we do. This is when I pump my gas. This is when I tip the waitress. This is when I, you know, I'm, I'm coming into my driveway at night. This is when I'm out in the store and I'm just carrying on about my business. And this is, this is everything I do. This is my normal day-to-day stuff. Those are considered good works because everything we're supposed to do is supposed to be a reflection of God. Whatever you do in word or deed, what you say, what you do, do it to honor God and glorify him. It means my attitude's always got to be in check. It means my motives have to be right where they're supposed to be. It means that when I'm walking through Target and my kids not listening, people six aisles over aren't going to hear me yelling at my kids. I do it. Am I alone? No. No. <laughs> no. You know, my, I, I'm telling you, my wife is amazing. Maybe she should preach. That should be the, uh, she'll say, you know, they don't want to hear you yelling at the kids. And I love that, Right? you ever been in that situation where your significant other is politely, quietly rebuking you and you're like, yeah, they do. They want to hear me. Yeah, why? Because that's my pride going, don't tell me I'm wrong. Don't. I hate that. What I hate more about it is I hate that that's my reaction. And again, I told you, there's things. I, listen, my pride, shh, if I could get that under control, I don't know. Maybe that, that's... It's like I told my... i tell you. There's a reason why I don't work out. All right? So with this personality and these stunning good looks, if I was in shape, I'd be in a lot of trouble. No, I'm kidding. It was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. My wife rolls her eyes too. It's, uh, it's totally fine. Our life is an offering to God. Micah 6, eight. Everybody knows this verse, right? Micah 6, eight. He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice to love kindness, and to walk humbly with God. These are works of action. Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly. Do justice. I speak for those who can't speak. I intervene for those who are innocent. I get involved in things like orphanages and poverty and big-ticket things like sex trafficking and, you know, I, when I talk about this in school, I say the same thing. Listen, we've got a whole bunch of crazy things going on in society that a lot of Christians are going, I don't want to get involved in that. I don't. This is not my thing. Like, I haven't been called to protest. I haven't been called to... No, you have been called to do justice, love kindness, and to walk humbly with God. These are your actions. These are your deeds. So when I stand up in front of my class... And I look at a class that's mixed with ethnicities and I say, listen, guys, it's important to stand up for the person standing next to you. It's important to try to understand and get an understanding of what they're experiencing and what you're going through. Because as a Christian, as someone who is called to take on, uh, uh, they're looking out for them and taking care of them means I, I have to do these things. That I have to be able and willing to stand in the gap when someone's being persecuted or mistreated, taken advantage of. That's That's justice. I'm called to love kindness, to love mercy, to always respond with love. I'm called to let that keep me in a position to where when I look at God, I look at God and go, man, I don't deserve what you've given me. I don't deserve the opportunity to abide in you. I don't deserve the opportunity to be a part of this vine that is growing this beautiful, amazing fruit but I'm here. And because I'm here, I want to do these things as well. James chapter 1, verse 27. Most of us know this. Verse pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this. Visit the orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. That's just a piggyback on Micah 6.8. We think all my religious duty is showing up to church. Nope, sorry, you're wrong. All I have to do is read my Bible and pray. Nope, sorry, you're wrong. You have a responsibility to look out for other people, right? We would agree with that. Remember Jesus talks about this when he talks about the sheep and the goats? Talked about that last week. We're not going to rehash it. The sheeps did what they were supposed to do. The goats didn't. They took care of the sick people. They took care of the poor. They they visited people in jail. They met people's needs. When? When they saw it, they did it. That's what we got to do. And here, again, these are just kind of snapshots but here's one of the last ones we'll talk about with our works, our actions. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always. Listen, our actions, our good works are leading people to Christ. That's why all this stuff is in place. We abide in Christ. We live like God has called us to live. This is the easiest one to do because there is a difference, right? We poured the water on the towel. It got ben wet. It permeates. It impacts other people's lives. It's going to. It's natural. We lead others to Christ. But we've got to continue building disciples, spreading the word. This is a good work, leading others to Christ. This is kind of a piggyback statement. It's a quote that I read. And I thought, man... This guy's kind of a knucklehead, but this really kind of hit me between the eyes. This says, how much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them? Do you know who Penn and Teller is? The magician guys? This is Penn from Penn and Teller. He's a confessed atheist. But this is what he said. How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them? I think about all the people that have crossed my path that I have not told them about Jesus. I don't hate them. But when I read this, I was like, man, ouch. It's meant to hurt. When a, a confessed atheist has a better understanding of what preaching the gospel is than we do, folks, there's a problem there. That's a problem. Alright, so, real quick as we move on. Just remember, um, the next thing to consider when we're doing these, these works of actions and deeds, uh, it's important to write this down. Motive. Attitude. Because, realistically, our motives and our attitudes can really undo everything that we're trying to do. No matter what work we're trying to do, no matter how we're trying to do it, if our attitude and the motive is not right behind it, it's kind of worthless. We don't have to turn there because we're going to close really soon, I do promise. But Matthew chapter 6, verse 2, Jesus talks about the uh, Pharisees and how when they would do stuff, they would you know, blow a trumpet before they entered in. So basically, what Matthew 6, 2 tells us is, when you're doing acts of service, don't toot your own horn. Don't make it about you. It's not about how great you are. It's not about how awesome, how incredible the work is. It's about God. I, I made banana muffins yesterday. Toot toot, right? Yeah, I did. I wrote that on my face. like Not to blow my own horn, but hashtag toot toot. Like, I, I don't bake, honestly. I can cook. I can barbecue. I can smoke. I mean, everything. I can't bake. I've never been able to do it. And these things turned out perfect. And my kids ate them. That's how I knew that they were good, because my kids ate them. My kids don't turn baked goods down. They turn mine down. But they ate them. Like, we do this with our own works. I went to church. Hashtag blessed. Like, it's not what it's about. It's not. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4 says, it says to please God, and this is my paraphrase, you write this out you can read them later. Paul encourages us to please God and not people. Because God knows our motives. If I'm trying to make Randy happy, I'm going to try to figure out what makes Randy happy. I'm going to try to do everything I can to make him happy. If my purpose is to make Randy happy and not God, I'm missing the point. And there's some other verses we're going to look at very soon as we get ready to close. But I'm going to I have some questions to ask as we're considering what is a good work. How can I figure out if my actions and deeds are, are good? If my motives and attitude is right? Here's some questions. If, can you read that? It's, oh, it's a lot bigger up there than it is there. Super cool. Um, How do I know if this is stuff that I'm doing, if I'm doing it right? One, if no one knew, would you still do it? If no one knew that you were in the back plunging a toilet, would you still do it? Am I doing this because it makes me feel good? Because at some point, something's not going to feel good about it. I'm tired. Nobody likes me. I'm being taken for granted. If I was never shown any gratitude by others, would I continue doing this? a really good question. If I was mistreated for what I I do, would I stop? Am I doing this for the praise of others? If others criticize me, would I stop? And how am I judging my success? Am I comparing it with other people, or am I comparing it with God's faithfulness during service? I think sometimes I get really frustrated, and I say to my wife, I'm like, you know. It'd be great to see like more, I guess, fruit, I don't know, like more results sometimes. And she goes, you know, Noah preached for a whole lot of years and no one ever got saved. And I think, man, that's really amazing to think about that this man not only preached, but he was ridiculed and mocked and scorned for years and years and years and years. And not one person said, Noah, we are going to believe and follow God. But he was still faithful. And God still took care of him. So my results can't be based on somebody else's. These are just things that I think. It's kind of crazy in my head. All right, last two blanks, and we're going to close and get out of here, hopefully by 1130. So works, they're done in faith, according to God's law, living for God's law, done to glorify Him. So there's two things that works are not. <clears throat> the first is, and this is probably the harder one of the two, they are not your opinion or society's opinion. Any time in Scripture where you see people that have kind of tried to sway the situation with their opinion and their thought, it does not end well. I mean, all the way back to Cain and Abel. Hey, this is how you sacrifice. Great idea, but I love veggies. It didn't work out. Why? Because God said, I didn't want that. I wanted this. We read those verses in Samuel, Well, Saul thought I could do this, this, and this. It'll be great. It'll honor God. That's not what God wanted. Your opinion doesn't matter. What we think, what we feel, what we believe, it's it's never going to line up fully with what God thinks. We'll get it right sometimes, but we're not always going to get it right. And I know that because we have our own ideals. I prefer 70, 75 degrees, sunny, big fluffy clouds, And a nice light breeze that moves from west to east. (laughs) You're like, that's pretty serious. You thought about this. I have, and here's why: because I want that nice cool mountain air to come down Wurtsboro and pass through Middletown. I want. That's what. That's ideal to me. I would never leave. Never, ever, ever consider leaving New York. I wouldn't even go on vacation. I'd be like, no, where am I going to go where it's going to be 75, sunny, no humidity, big fluffy clouds, and a nice light breeze that continues west to east. Right? Who's with me on this? (laughs) Not everybody has their hand up. Why? Because some people go, you know, I really prefer like 95. Where's Ben? This is why I needed Ben here today. Because Ben would tell me, no way. He wants like 110, 150% humidity. He wants to sweat getting out of bed. Like, that's... I can't do that. But that's ideal to him. And just like my ideal temperature, look, we don't all agree on that. We can't let our ideals, our opinions, be what sways us. Again, if, you've, if you read C.S. Lewis, check out Mere Christianity. He talks about this in the three parts of morality chapter, where he talks about um, our ideals. That's exactly what it is. It's your opinion. It can never be perfect because it's your opinion. Like We have a standard when it comes to math. Two plus two is four. If we threw that out there and Lane said, I got five, we'd be like, Lane, (laughs) you're wrong. And we could say you're wrong because we have a standard. This is our standard. So, we can't be our own measuring stick. So it's not about our opinion. It's about God's. And the second part of that is... The tradition of elders. And I put a little asterisk thing there because it's not elders in terms of like our elders here at the church. That's why it says the collective wisdom of any culture and its worldview and insight. This is in Matthew chapter 6 where Jesus is talking about that. Don't be like the Pharisees. Don't be like the hypocrites. Don't toot your own horn. Don't, don't do that. That's bad. That's really wrong. That's not what we want to see. And I'm going to read for you in Matthew chapter 15. This is one of my favorite... Portions of scripture. And this is just an example of of walking in tradition. This is Jesus, and he's hanging out with his disciples. And if you have like chapter breaks and stuff, it even says tradition and commandment. And then this is what Jesus says. Then some Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. And he answered and said to them, Why do you yourselves transgress the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and mother, and he who speaks evil of father or mother is to be put to death. But you say, Whoever says to his father or mother, Whatever I have that would help you has been given to God. He is not to honor his father or his mother, and by this you invalidated the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. After Jesus called the crowd to him, he said to them, Hear and understand, it is not what enters into the mouth that defiles the man, but what proceeds out of the mouth that defiles the man. This is my favorite part of this story. It says, Then the disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this statement? The Pharisees were offended when Jesus preached at them. That's funny to me. Because I get offended when Jesus preaches at me. And I go, I know better. And I really don't. And we do this a lot. And when I say we, I mean collective Christianity as a whole. This isn't specifically shot at Keyshawn or David or Harmony Baptist Church. When the word of God is rightly applied, people bristle at it because it doesn't fit what they think is right. This is an example right here where the disciples said, you know, you offended the Pharisees, Jesus. Jesus says, Every plant which my heavenly Father did not plant shall be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind guides of the blind. If a blind man guides a blind man, both will fall into a pit. Jesus says, okay, so what? They're offended. Let them do their thing. They're blind anyway. They just don't get it. And sometimes this is what we have to get over. Get over our blindness. Get over our tradition. Get over our opinion. And focus on the things that really matter. Colossians chapter 2, verses 20 through 23, and we're going to close. It says, You have died with Christ and He has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of the world, such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline, but, and this is why I highlighted this, all that extra stuff, all of our opinions, all of our traditions, yep, they seem wise, they take devotion, it's self-denial in some respects, it takes discipline, but this is what Paul says, they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. Why? Because it's not rooted in the good works that God has crafted us in and ordained us in to walk in. Does that make sense? And this is where we're closed. It's our last slide. So we just kind of took everything and we threw it into one thing and we'll spit it back out. Our good works are done out of a true faith that reflect genuine belief, that maintain a lifestyle that is within the boundaries of and consistent to God's law, are done with the proper motives to bring glory to God, without our personal or traditional influence. Those are our good works in a nutshell. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for who you are. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be here today. And Lord, as we try to figure out what it means to have these works in our lives, that we would just get an understanding that we can live for you. But Lord, we need to get out of our way sometimes. So Lord, uh, just be with us for the rest of this week. If there's someone here who has not taken that first act of faith to come to know you, and is seeking. Lord, I just pray that you would uh, just continue to uh, pour into their heart. Lord, that today would be the day that they would come find someone to settle that up. So Lord, we ask you that you uh, help us to measure our good works according to what you call them and what they are in your eyes. So we commit this time into your hands. Amen. All right. Thank you. Have a great day.